Hello and welcome to the 12th episode of How to Hold a Pencil. My name is Ruben Ingber and I'm your host. This week I have with me Matan Griffel, a self-taught, de- uh, self-taught developer and founder of One Month Rails. Um, and a while back I took his, uh, I think it was the first incarnation of his, of his Ruby on Rails Skillshare class uh, that has now become the full-fledged program One Month Rails. So welcome Matan. And for the people who don't know who you are, why don't you give the listeners a little bit a little bit of background on yourself. Sure. Hello. Um, so my name is Matan Griffel. That's spelled M-A-T-T-A-N. Um, it's it's a rare name, but it's good for SEO. <laughs> um, so so I'm the I'm the CEO and I'm the co-founder of a, a company. We're called One Month, and what we do is we create instructional online one month courses to teach people about new skills and. And, uh, and Ruben, what you mentioned was One Month Rails, which is actually the first in a, in a series of courses that we're going to be doing. Um, I'm a self-taught developer. I, I never studied coding or development. In fact, I hadn't touched a line of code uh, before I decided that I would learn how to code. And the process that I went through, it, it, was, a, it was a little over two years ago now. Um, that process that I went through of, of using all these online resources and classes really taught me a lot and it gave me an interesting perspective on how how this teaching of this stuff could be done way better um, and and that 's what became uh, you know the first incarnation of one month rails, which is uh, as you mentioned that was a class uh, it, originally on skillshare right I was using a different educational platform and um and it became, you know, it became really successful. It actually became their best-selling class. When I first launched it, I, I didn't expect to have that many students. I thought maybe a hundred students would be nice. It was more than I'd ever taught in a in a physical classroom. And uh, and that first class, you know, it, within the first twelve hours, we had gotten over one hundred and fifty signups. And uh, from that point on, it just kept kept rising. So our, the first class, I believe, had. Almost two thousand students. Um, I was one of them. You were one of them, <laughs> and uh, and from that moment on, it was kind of obvious that that this definitely tapped into something that people wanted, that they needed, and the feedback that we got was just incredible. So, it's um, it's you know we've built a company around it. That's, um, that's really amazing. So I want to separate this conversation into two parts, and the first part I want to tackle is when you were teaching yourself and, you know, getting into that. And then the second part, I definitely want to focus on your platform one month. Um, so let's first, like what caused you to get into the idea of web development? Like what were you doing before it? And then what, what made you jump into being a coder and being a web developer? Well, before I was doing that, I was doing marketing at a startup, uh, out here in New York city. And I was the marketer because that's, that's the job that was available that would, that would pay me at the time. Um, I mean, I never, I never thought I'd be working at startups. I had studied philosophy and I studied finance as a double major at NYU, and uh, and so you know, looking for a job, uh, it wasn't a good time in finance, and and it's kind of startups were the only thing that is like the one area that was hiring, and so I I was doing marketing there, and and I initially had used a lot of the same online resources to be honest to learn about the marketing side of stuff. Um, that's when I first started exploring 
uh, guys like General Assembly out here in New York City, back when it was still just like a New York City thing. Now, now they're all over the world. <laughs> now they're everywhere. And Skillshare and, and Udemy and uh, Coursera, Udacity. I mean, it was such an interesting time because uh, it was kind of like the Wild West of education. And so, you know, that was, I think that first year, honestly, out of college, I probably learned more about a field than I had learned, you know, in the four years before that about, like, finance or philosophy. Um, and I learned it, like, while working, which, uh, <laughs> which was the more interesting thing because I got to you know, really throw away the stuff that didn't work and, and apply the stuff that did work. So, so you mentioned there in the what you said was the wild, wild west of learning. Yeah, um, and I think that still exists uh, very much. How sure. are you able to navigate it? You know, for somebody who's just starting out, there's so many there are so many different paths to take in the web world. You could you could do back end, you could do front end, you could use Treehouse, you could use Skillshare, you can use a book. You know, yeah. there's so many there's you know there's a million ways you can go about it. How were you able to navigate it? What it's, what what did you use? That's a really good question because I think I think that it's um, I mean this problem has been around for a long time, right? It's it's kind of like I like to imagine someone you know just drops you off in a library, and there's thousands upon thousands of books that are available to you, and then they tell you to go learn about like the Peloponnesian War or something like that. Like there's, sure there's all these books that you could check out, but where do you even start? There's no, it's just all these resources and reference books and, and there's no path set out for you. Um, that's really the job of the educator in many ways. Uh, the good professor is the one who can lay out and, and construct a story and, and create a story out of these sort of like random bits of information and, and facts that are out there. Um, and when I was first, you know, learning how to code, that's kind of what, what that's what was out there. I had... This, this goal of building a, a, this, an app, an idea that I had, and I wasn't just learning because I wanted to learn. I wanted to, to actually build something. And, uh, and so I had to figure out how to, how to navigate all these resources to build that thing. Um, what, was that thing what was the thing you wanted to build? It was, uh, it was essentially like dynamic pricing testing for, for online products. Like, you know, if you wanted to sell say, a pair of shoes online or, or tickets to an event or, or even, like, uh, you know, anything, your podcast, potentially, you wouldn't really know the first thing about how to figure out what price to charge. And there's ways of figuring this out. Walmart, like, the big airlines, all of these companies have data scientists who are doing this as a full-time job. But there's technology out there that can do it automatically for you, and, and that's kind of, or, or theoretically, that's kind of what I wanted to build. And... Um, but in the process of actually building that thing, I realized that there was honestly a, a much bigger opportunity to be had in, in the education space and doing it better for other people who had ideas like me. That's great. And, and so, so you had a project, and I've uh, you know I've spoken to now you know, you're my twelfth guest, and I've spoken to dozens of other people sure. about having a project, you know, and having a goal. How important was having an idea that you wanted to build? How much of that was your driving force? Um. It is, it's really, really important because I think, um, I think there are different motivations in education, and motivation is something that we don't look at enough in the educational world, right? How to get people to stay excited about something or, or to stay committed to something, especially when they're not like, literally forced to be in a classroom in order to graduate with a degree, 
mm -hmm. um, which is the case of online education. So if it weren't for actually having this, this end goal, and, and it, was a, it was a realistic and a short-term end goal, I gave myself one month to build the first prototype of this thing. If it wasn't for that thing, I probably would have just kind of like given up after the first hurdle that I ran into. Right, the first time I, I like ran into an error that took me more than more than three hours to troubleshoot, um, and that's that's honestly the, it's, it's the case for what we see for a lot of a lot of online resources. Um, and I don't, I don't want to call out any specific ones, but there's a lot of sites people go to when they first try to like want to learn how to code, and uh, and it's fun for a while, and there's a novelty to it, but but they get to a certain point where they don't see how it's going to help them do what they want to do, or it's not really connecting the gaps for them and and that's the point where if you can't keep them motivated by the long run by the big idea then you're going to lose them yeah i call i call those my false starts when i was first learning how to code <laughs> i would you know do you know 10 lessons on whatever website and i'd finish and i'd be like all right yeah. so yeah what do i do now yeah. um so you did mention that you you had this plan to learn to code in a month um that's right. and i've i've watched your talk online about it and mm -hmm. um I'm wondering if you could sort of explain a, you know, briefly sort of your process to learn in a month. Sure. And so, I'll link and I will link to the video of your talk <laughs> to one of them. I know you've given it a few times, but I will find a good one and I'll share it with with the listeners, but sort of a brief, you know, how did you what was your path? Yeah, totally. So uh, it's this thing I call brute force education, um, only because I haven't found or, or thought of a better name for it. Um, I like it. Uh, so brute force education was this idea I came up with in college, or, or I'm sure other people you know have done it before too. But it just it's a method that worked for me, which was that um, you know iTunes U, iTunes University existed at the time in college, and I I discovered that you could. Uh, get by with with in class with pretty good grades and not having to study just by uh, by listening to like the podcasts of the classes that you were taking but from other universities um, so it's kind of it was this idea of like just immersing yourself in something from all sides I think I had the idea from like hypnosis tapes because I thought if you could sleep while listening to these tapes like telling you to stop smoking or something like that then why not like you know just sort of passively take in the information from the class Right, like if you're watching a lecture, if you watch, you know, a lecture on the same topic like three or four times by different teachers, you're gonna get stuff out of it, even if you know, even if you're not paying attention, or even if you, like, are don't want to. Um, so, you know, that was my approach with college, and it worked extremely well. And, and since that point, I've sort of taken that aspect of like, I don't really want to try all that hard, to be honest, to to like memorize a fact that's just not sticking with me i would rather you know i'd rather try to come at it from a different perspective or listen to someone else's perspective and see if that sticks right um and so i did that you know i did that with with the marketing stuff too and then when it came to coding the way that i tackled it was uh, i just found all of these bigger tutorials that someone had given me and i i basically decided i'm going to just power through these i'm going to like finish them you know, if it kills me and I may not understand what the hell I actually did the first time or the second time or the third time, but at some point, you know, hopefully I'll get it. And, you know, that in contrast with this view that a lot of people take, which is that they they try to consume one thing. And if they don't get something, they just they stay there because they they just try to 
you know, figure it out before they move on because they don't want to move on until they actually feel like they understand something. I think so many people have made that mistake, including myself, in that, you know, you're trying to do something and, like, you just keep rewriting it and refiguring it out when you could just move on and figure it out later. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a totally acceptable thing to do. I think that's probably what we should do is accept the fact that you're not going to understand it the, you know, the first time. And, um, and right. Because so many times you, you unintentionally give up at that point, you just sort of get frustrated, you set it down and you never end up coming back to it. So that wasn't really an option for me. And I, I just powered through it anyway. I probably, I probably finished like six or seven tutorials during that month. Oh, wow. So I know that you were uh, a, a real beginner at the be- you know when you started you were a real beginner you didn't know much about coding and whatnot yeah but how did you build uh, build the confidence uh, to keep pushing forward through all six of those tutorials like what you know what kept you going um, so pushing through actually definitely gets easier over time because at first you have no idea what the hell you're doing and that can be frustrating but. You'll you'll reach this point where suddenly, like, you're going through the third tutorial and the stuff starts to make sense. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like a, a sixth sense or something like that, where like, you feel like you have this superpower all of a sudden because a concept is explained to you and like you you get it already. <laughs> and it's like it's weird. Um, and I mean, it, so how did I actually power through it? It was kind of like a full time job for that month. You know, I, I actually moved out to San Francisco for a month because I realized with a lot of, you know, a lot of the changes that I try to adopt, I realized it's, it's easier for you to do if you're out of your comfort zone and if you don't have the distractions of, of friends calling you up and, and, like, all the typical stuff that you fall into as a habit. So I was in San Francisco, uh, you know, like, no friends out there. I... I like I picked out my favorite coffee shops. I would go there at nine in the morning, and I would sit there until five or six at night, and and just doing that. Um, and and you know it's it really is an amazing feeling though when you when you hit like enter and, and you first get that application running or you fix a problem. It's re- it's really very addictive. No, I, I agree that it's very addictive, and I think I think a lot of people just need to get through those hurdles and you know push through. Yeah. Um, so now I want to talk to you a little bit about one month and your program and sort of how it works and that kind of thing. But the first thing I would love to know is there's, as we've talked about already, there's a ton of opportunities to learn on the web, whether yeah. it's Skillshare, which you've used, or Treehouse, or Udemy, or iTunes U, whatever it might be. Yes. What what separates one month from the rest? Sure. Um, so I, I mean. I think there's a few different trends that we're, that we're pushing after. One of the big concerns that I have with these marketplace products is that um, they're, they're proliferating content, but they're not necessarily uh, like building high-quality content, or they're not necessarily making it easy for people to follow a path that leads through high-quality content. Right? You, like, you could find hundreds of classes probably on, on Ruby on Rails and, and just not know where to start. Um, our approach here is really trying to take on and tackle that first, the first 30 days of learning a new skill and learning a new habit. And we provide just like a really clear, concrete 30-day plan for 30 minutes a day where you, you, you do like half an hour and you know exactly what kind of time you're putting into it. You also know exactly what you're going to get out of it. Um, and it's not going to teach the stuff that, honestly, you don't need to know. But it's also going to teach the stuff that a lot of people assume that you do know that you don't. That makes it really hard for a beginner. 
Um, so, I mean, the approach is, is sort of half in how we actually create the content and we structure it. And, and everyone who finishes the class actually is able to build this demo application, uh, which is like a, a photo sharing app um, and have it live, which is really cool coming out of the course. Um, That's really awesome. One, I mean, for example, one of the other things is that we're uh, we're building this content in house, as opposed to a lot of these platforms are are uh, are kind of like outsourcing it in a way or crowdsourcing it. We think it's important that you know that that the content stay high quality, and that's why we we um, we want to have a lot of say over how it's created. No, I, I agree. I think I think you know there are lots of places where you can go and take a class by any who anybody's teaching and it makes it a little more difficult to really weed out what's necessarily a good class and what's necessarily a not so good class. Right. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, what type of content, um, you know, if I were to, if somebody were to sign up for one month and they wanted to do the rails course, which is the course you're offering right now, what yeah. type of content, like what makes up a typical lesson and sort of, you know, those 30 minutes, what, what is it? What's sort of a typical, you know, thirty-minute session that you're going to do? Sure. Well, I mean, it starts out with uh, just like, what the hell are we doing? Like, what what are the what are the actual programs you need? Like, what is the big picture? Um, I think a lot of the of the trouble with with coding education as it's currently done is you're taught such like a small piece of it that you have no sense of how it fits into the big picture of of what you're trying to do. So it's a really sort of high-level overview of, of exactly the steps that we're going to take in the class. Um, it's make sure your computer is set up. Um, one of the things that differentiates us is that we do provide support and, like, a live person to talk to. So, you know, one we noticed a big problem was actually setting up your computer to have the right software on it. And, uh, and so we're not just kind of, like, throwing you at a set of instructions for doing that. We're we're letting people talk to somebody if they run into a problem and helping them actually sort of like handhold them to overcome that. Um, so it's, you know, it's the first lesson is like getting set up and honestly just getting the first application up and live. We probably do that within the first hour. So, you know, instead of just diving right into the code, it's about like actually getting something that you can show people that looks pretty cool uh, and that you might actually feel proud of, and then and then taking it from there. It's uh, <clears throat> sorry, that's really awesome. I think I think providing the live support is something that definitely separates you guys from a lot of other uh, platforms. Totally. Um, so you guys are doing Rails right now. What's yes. I don't want you to you know sort of reveal the entire game plan that you have, but sort of what what's the path that one month is planning on taking? Uh, well, we're definitely doing. We're we're in the process of creating and releasing the HTML class. So just one month HTML because it's a, it's a pretty it's something people have been asking for, and it's a pretty obvious complement to to Rails, like the front end, the back and the back end. For sure, we are. Uh, but then we're we're expanding beyond just coding education. We're looking at areas like design and and uh, and agile and and MVPs in general, like. You know, structuring MVPs and, and building them out in customer development. Uh, we're exploring growth hacking, and and then even beyond just entrepreneurship and startups, um, stuff like one month meditation. Like, how can you build up a meditation habit in a month that's going to make you feel better about your life or change your habits entirely? Uh, one month sales. One month, um, you know, law theoretically. One month writing a book. I think anything that people have. Anything that you've ever thought, like you, you really wish that you could start doing, uh, 
we want to put people on the on the path to doing that within 30 days. Wow. So you've done a lot in the past several years getting your, you know, getting, you know, learning how to code and then launching a startup. You know, if you could go back to yourself, you know, two or three years ago when you first set out on this path, is there anything you would tell yourself that to do differently than you've done over the past few years? Or is there a piece of advice that you would give yourself? I know it's a tough question. <laughs> yeah. Everyone gives me that same reaction. <laughs> um, well, let's see. So the first thing that comes to mind is, um, you know, we all we all kind of wish that we made it, make, could make it big as, as fast as possible and be successful as fast as possible. But I, I kind of wish that I relished not being successful more when, when, like, I could because, you know, now that I'm, like, running the startup, I don't have the time to learn about some of the things that I really want to learn about. Um, you know, there's all these, all these kind of things that I wish I could just dive into and, and spend a month learning about. And, and I, I still have a few of those. I'm trying to learn how to do a backflip. I'm like working on a book, but, uh, I've been meaning to learn angular JS for the last like few months. And, and it just, you know, that's, that's one of those things that's eluding me. Um, I mean, another thing is uh, just the power of, let's say actually connecting with people who are experts in something. Um, you know, as awesome as like all these online resources are, there's really nothing that beats, uh, you know, having somebody that you could actually reach out to and talk to about this thing. And with all my, like with all my online education stuff, there have been times where I've been really stuck. And the only way that I've been able to resolve that is going to a meetup and, and talking to someone awesome and, and making that connection in person. Um, which is why we're so focused on the, like the, the human element of even online education, because I think that that's, those two things really need to be married together. So, um, oh, the other thing I would say is I think everybody should teach at least one thing, like regardless of, uh, of what they're actually doing, because I think public speaking and, and putting yourself in other people's shoes and, and just allowing yourself to be vulnerable in front of like an audience of people is, is one of the most valuable uh, things you could do. Plus, you know, the, the passive income or the pretty easy income that, that comes out of it is pretty nice too. <laughs> For sure. So yeah. you mentioned something and you mentioned going to meetups and stuff like that. And I, you know, sometimes I ask guests this, but since you sort of alluded to it, how important has the overall community been to your learning, whether it was on Stack Overflow or some Facebook group or something, or, you know, meetups that were really important? How important was that? Oh, it's, it's really important. I mean, there's, there's areas that are like really cutting edge where it's going to be very hard for you to learn stuff online. Um, this is, you know, there are still some fields where I think nothing replaces, you know, like a, a, the top PhD program where you're going to have exclusive access to some of the smartest people in there because it's just basically impenetrable online. You know, stuff like like neuroscience or like the higher ends of that maybe. Um, you know, I, I'm lucky that Ruby on Rails, and, and this is one of the reasons I recommend Ruby on Rails to beginner coders. It, Ruby on Rails is a very hot uh, topic, and it has a really big and also very friendly community. So any night of the week, there's at least in, in any major city, there's going to be a meetup going on. There's a lot of online communities like Stack Overflow, like you mentioned, um, where you're going to be able to find answers to problems that you've run into. When it comes to some of the more obscure languages... Uh, that's going to be a lot harder. And you may end up running into a problem that is kind of just beyond the ability for you as a beginner to overcome it. And uh, and if you don't have someone to turn to or if you can't figure out you know, how to overcome that problem, that's going to be a, a pretty big sticking point as a, as a novice. For sure. So 
you know, you, you like I've said, you've done a lot of stuff in the past couple of years. But if you had to pick, what's your what's your favorite project that you've worked on? Uh, what would it be? I mean, besides the class, uh, Y Combinator was a pretty tremendous experience uh, over the summer around this class. Um, Why don't you tell me? What, tell me a little bit about your Y Combinator experience. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so we. You know, I applied to Y Combinator when this class, we had done our second Skillshare class at the time, and so I had about 5,000 students at that point. And, um, and I sort of came to them with this pitch that, you know, we're not sure exactly what this is going to become, but there's very clearly a market here. This is the fastest growing class on Skillshare of all time. It's the biggest class of all time. We get amazing feedback from people saying that they would love to take additional classes. And, um, and we just sort of, you know, we, we pitched them on the fact that we had validated the existence of a market. And, uh, and we just, you know, we want to try to see what can happen. And so they were definitely, obviously, intrigued by that idea. Um, and the experience was just, I mean, it was, it was a lot like what I mentioned about education before. They, they pay for you to fly out there for three months and you're living in a house with your co-founders and with your team. And every day you're waking up and you walk into the living room and that's it's basically your office. So you just fully immerse yourself in, in your startup and your project and talking to people and you're coming up with ideas you know, while grocery shopping and while showering and, and everything else. And there's, there's really nothing like it for like really, I mean, they, they use the word accelerator for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing like it for accelerating a project. Um, so we went, you know, from that to having like 12,000 students by the end of it and, uh, and raising a round of funding and, and really sort of the world, my, my entire world was turned upside down <laughs> at that point on. You know, we got, we got back to New York and now we have an office in Soho and we have, uh, we have employees and, and things are pretty different. Wow. So in the last few minutes, what, you know, what does the future hold for you and, you know, and for one month? Well, I've been, I've been pretty obsessed with this idea of creating the million dollar teacher lately, which is, um, which is this, I think the fact, and we're starting to see it, that teachers are able to make good money online these days by, by going directly to the market. And by, by kind of going around these intermediaries of, of universities that have existed for so long. Um, and they're also doing it by using the internet and these new distribution tools to reach hundreds of thousands or millions of people, right? So I think, I think we would like to create the first, I think in the next five years, we're going to have a handful of, of teachers making more than a million dollars a year. And it's going to be kind of like, you know, your your uh, your athlete or your musician or 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 like all star, yeah, all star athlete or, or actor, right? Who are able to reach millions of dollars through or millions of people through like theaters and and with albums. I think the same thing's going to happen to teaching. And the thing that excites me most about that, besides the fact that teachers are actually like being rewarded based on the value that they're providing to society, right? Instead of being like some of the least paid uh, the people in society is that it's going to inspire a new generation of people to want to become teachers and to be interested in teaching and, and for it to be like a, a legitimate profession where you can actually support yourself. Um, so that's what excites me is, is like a new generation of teachers, of awesome teachers who maybe never would have had the chance to teach before. So I, I just hope we can play a, a role in that, just play a part in that. That That's really an awesome, awesome goal to aspire to. And 
I'm, exci- I'm excited to watch that unfold. So my last question is for you: Is yeah. where can everyone find you on the internet? Uh, you can find you can find me at onemonth.com or check out the class at onemonthrails.com. Um, and I'm available at my name, matangriffle.com. Uh, I'm, I'm a pretty open person. so. And you're you at Matan Griffel on Twitter as well, correct? Exactly, exactly right. Great. Well, Matan, thank you so much for joining me uh, on this episode of How to Hold a Pencil. I really appreciate uh, all the time you've given me um, here and for my listeners. And you guys can find the show and all the show notes that I'll link to everything that we talked about at www.howtoholdapencil.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Ruben Ingber, R-E-U-B-E-N-I-N-G-B-E-R. Or you can follow the show on Twitter as well, at Hold a Pencil. Uh, once again, thanks to my guest, Matan Griffel, and I will see you all next week. Thank you so much, Ruben. <laughs>